Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. Man, are we living in crazy times? And I think you all know that my, um, oh, my nature is to want to spend time dealing with the politics and everything else that's going on. But I think there are enough voices doing that. I think it would be good for us to study the Word. Amen? But I do want to suggest a few ways that we can pray. Let's pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our president. Um, I have never... So I've been following politics since 1980, probably, uh, when Reagan got shot. That kind of got my attention and started following things from then. I've never seen anything like where we are today. I've, I've never seen anything like it. Um, James Knox, I listened to a message that uh, Matt Holdsclaw had sent me that James Knox had preached recently, and he said, um, it reminds me of the 60s, that astronauts are going up and the buildings are, and the cities are burning down. And uh, those of you who were alive then, there's some real similarities to, to what's happened then uh, going on now. So what can we do about it? Um, well, number one, probably the best thing we can do is love people. Just love people. And we need to pray for our police officers that they're not jaded by the hatred that's thrown at them and the, the people that they see and that they can remain public servants, you know, who represent God out in the world. We need to pray for our police. We need to pray for people who have suffered from racism of any kind. That's a, racism is a horrible thing. It's just a horrible thing. I, I've experienced it when I moved to, uh, the day after I graduated from high school, I moved to Gary, Indiana. Any of you ever heard of Gary, Indiana? I went and, you know, I love to play basketball. I went and started playing basketball with the guys. I was the only white guy there. They're calling me Ajax and Bleach Boy. And, and I didn't know they were disparaging me. I, I thought it was kind of funny. I was laughing. Um, but I, under, I, I began to understand what it's like to be different than the people that are around you. If you've ever genuinely experienced something like racism, it's horrible. It is horrible. And God willing, we never treat anyone, regardless of race, color, creed, religion. We, we don't treat people badly. We demonstrate the love of Christ. That, that's the, this is what the church is supposed to do. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance regardless of race or whatever, our, our focus must be the gospel, not politics. And I feel bad for the people, as angry as I get at the looting and the destruction of property, there's no excuse for that. Folks, there's no, no, don't make excuses for it. No, if it was your property, you'd care. There's no excuse for it. And then, uh, so I feel sorry for the property owners. I feel sorry for the people that feel so oppressed that they feel like this is their only outlet. And I really feel sorry for the people that have been duped into believing the lies that are being told. It's all based on a lie. It's all based on a lie. Uh, I, Dalton and I, uh, when we were taking Lawrence Vance to the airport last week, uh, we heard that, the, well, we, we tried to go to restaurants, but everything was shut and they were boarding up all the windows and in Columbus. And so we went down to find the protesters. And 
um, we found some protesters and started asking them some questions. And I'm just telling you, these were college age, probably, maybe a little over college age kids, nice. They were kind to us, respectful, and completely deceived. And so I asked them, I said, have you met anyone who is for what the police officers in Minneapolis did? And they said, well, no. And I said, well, then what are you protesting? And the, uh, the one that was kind of their leader, he said, well, that's kind of a narrowly focused question. I don't think that's really the question. Well, of course that's the question. And so what we have to decide is, is that the best way to address the problem? The, the way that the protests are going, it, is that the way to change? How many of you think anyone's mind has been changed through this? And so that's where we have to be careful of taking sides. Like I said, the protesters that I spoke to, I liked them. They were the kind of young people that I would enjoy being around. I'd love to have had more time to have conversations and find out where they're getting their information. Um, but these people, they need the gospel. Now, here's the problem. There are leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, other religious leaders that are coming out, and they're identifying with the error. And I think that we can have a right balance. We stand for the truth. Amen? We love people, regardless of race or creed. We would stand against injustice. I like what Ben Shapiro said. If there is systematic racism, give me the institution, and I will stand against it with you. But when they're arrested and the entire nation is against it, that's not institutional. How many of you understand what I'm saying there? And so I feel terrible that we do have an entire segment of our population that believes that our nation is against them. How do we answer that? The only thing we can do is one-on-one -on -one tell people we love them. Uh, Dalton Robertson was driving home last week and um, was on these country roads in Alabama. And there's a van broken down on the side of the road. And it's, it's a black family, parents, and looks like about six kids. They're just sitting on the side of the road. So Dalton pulled over and said, man, can I help you? Is there anything that you need? And they said, no, we've got somebody coming. And he said, uh, well, can I get you something to drink or, or do anything for you? Because it's really hot. And they, they said no. And he couldn't think of anything else to say. So he just said, hey, I love you all and, and drove away. And he couldn't take it anymore. So he went to the grocery store and bought water and took it to him. And then he, he got home and he, he just couldn't get it off his mind. And so Buddy, his son, grown son, was there. And he said, why don't you go and see if they're still there and give them my phone number if they are. And they ended up, Buddy and Dalton, getting them a wrecker for their, their vehicle. The help that was supposed to come wasn't coming. And So you say, what's that story about? Well, that's one family that's seen the love of Christ from someone that's a different race. I think, other than education and the gospel, this is the only answer. If we take sides, if we, you know, if... if, if all of a sudden, white people are against black people and black people are against white people. Folks, that's not the answer. In Christ, in the church, in the body of Christ, we're all one. We are all one. So we need to pray for people on all sides of this.
We need to not hate them. We need to love people. Amen? Are, are you with me on this? Now, how many of you know that I'm a political conservative just to the right of Genghis Khan, right? You, you all understand that. But before that, I'm a Christian. We have to demonstrate the love of Christ. All right, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, please help us. Lord, be with our police officers. Be with those in leadership. Lord, I pray for these these people. And, of course, yeah, there are, you know, criminals that are just taking advantage of this for an opportunity to get a TV or some shoes. We know that. But, Lord, there are other people that they're just deceived by Marxism. They're deceived by, by wrong ideas about the patriarchy and privilege. They're deceived by these things. And, Lord, I pray that uh, we don't hate them for that, but we represent the love of Christ. We pray for them. And, Lord, uh, help me to live what I'm saying right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Psalm 119, verse 1. And I hope you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, look in the uh, chair in front of you underneath it. The Bible says, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly." What an amazing passage of Scripture. And my goal is going to be to remember that there are 22 sections, eight-verse sections in Psalm 119. My goal is going to be to get through an eight-verse section every week. That's, that's going to be my goal. How many of you do not believe I can do that? Would you raise your hands? You do not believe I can do that? Thank you for your confidence. But <laughs> I'm going to try and... This morning, the way all of this comes together, it's so beautiful, and I hope that I can communicate it. I do want to say this, though. If we had a culture, if we had a nation that practiced these eight verses, we would not be seeing the collapse that we are. So what I want to do, I want to read the passage again, and I want you to think about Everyone involved, congresspeople, senators, governors, mayors, police chiefs, police officers, sheriffs, deputies, uh, uh, protesters, everyone. And let's think about this. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes Oh, forsake me not utterly. How many of you think that's the answer to the culture? Based on Jesus Christ. Based on Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm sorry. Pray for me because I I do want to focus on the text and the message that I have prepared. I want to say this out loud. Um, 
As a pastor, I'm used to being lied about constantly. Every depiction of a preacher on television is some kind of a pervert or nut job. Every time. That's, that's the depiction that our culture has come to give of the pastor. I don't even think about it anymore. What I do is if a show comes on and there's a preacher, I turn it off because I know it's going to make me mad. I can't imagine being a police officer right now where 98% of the media is treating you as if your intention is to go out and kill people every day. And so I just want you guys to know I love you um, and uh, I'm praying for you. And I feel so terrible for children that are taught, be careful when you go outside because the police are hunting you. What, what are those kids supposed to think? What are the police supposed to do? This is where lies are so horrible. So horrible. Police cannot cover up bad behavior by police. It needs to be judged. Amen? How many police officers behave that way? Uh, I mentioned to Dave Spicer, I asked him, have you ever arrested anybody in Shelby County? Well, does that mean that everybody in Shelby County is a criminal? But that's the way that the, that the police are being looked at right now. You have one guy that was absolutely wrong and everybody agrees he was wrong, and yet all police are being judged by it. Folks, we just need to pray that somehow truth can get through to people because there are people that have an agenda. There are people that uh, are, are, are trying to destroy people's lives in this. Let's not us become a part of that. Amen? All right. Let's pray again. Lord, help us as we study your word now. Please help me to focus on this text. Lord, I pray that this is an encouragement and a help to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that I want you to see is the blessing of a holy walk. The blessing of a holy walk. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Blessed are they that keep thy testimonies. Verse 3, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. So keeping his testimonies. What are the testimonies? Those are the things that God says about himself and his word. His testimonies. When somebody makes a testimony in court, that's, that's their statement about that. When you keep God's testimonies, you can't keep something that you don't know. And so the idea is that we need to have his testimonies. The other aspect of keeping his testimonies is don't let someone change it. Right? We have God's words. Don't change God's words. Don't remove verses from the Bible. Uh, there was a pastor out of uh, New York City. He pastored First Baptist in New York City. His name was I.M. Haldeman. And in response to the infidel, the, the liberal preacher, Harry Emerson Fosdick, he wrote a book called, called The King's Penknife. And remember when the king took and cut up the scriptures and threw it in the, in the fire. That's what Fosdick would do. He would only preach those texts that he thought uh, led to his version of, of social justice. And no. We've got to preach the whole counsel of God. Amen? And so if you start taking words out of the Bible or truth out of the Bible or adding things to the Bible, now you have trouble. And it's interesting. Notice what it says here. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. That means you can be either defiled or undefiled. You'll be blessed if you're undefiled. You will have trouble. The Bible says the way of transgressors is hard. You will not be happy and blessed if you, if you walk outside 
of God's testimonies. Verse 2, blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. You see, I cannot be seeking my own good and God at the same time. But here's the good news. If I seek God with my whole heart, that will be good for me. That blessing and happiness will come from that. I'm not promoting my rights. I'm promoting God. And God is the one from whom we get our rights. Our definitions of justice. You know, there's all of this social justice stuff. And here's, here's the, the best answer I've ever heard on the social justice problem. Anytime you add a modifier, anytime you try to add a word to justice, you have an agenda. Justice is righteousness for everyone. That's what we want. Eh, maybe not. Because the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The Bible says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That's justice. What we want is grace and mercy in a just society. The Bible tells us to do justice. You don't do justice by being blind to one side. You do justice by looking at everything evenly through the lens of Scripture. They also do no iniquity. They walk in His ways. The blessing of a holy walk. How many of you want a blessed life? Be honest. You want a blessed life. Then do right. Then understand God's Word and walk in it. That is happiness. That's justice. Verse Look at the number two. Number one, the blessing of a holy walk. Number two, the confidence of a holy book. Look at verse four. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts. What's that next word? Diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. You know, sometimes we get done with a job and we look at it and we think it's okay. But we ask someone who knows what they're talking about to look at it and say, how did I do? Jacob is uh, studying computer science, and he has to write programs and do all this code and stuff, which I personally think is of Satan. But he can do a program that he thinks is great, and he turns it in to the meanest professor on the planet if you ever get a chance, ask Jacob about Dr. Howell, amazing teacher. Jacob will have this program that he has worked for hours and hours and weeks on, and it'll take Dr. Howell minutes to look through and see the errors. And what's the problem? Without that instructor to teach him, the program won't work. He's not being mean. He wants him to be successful. Our problem is we want to compare our lives to what the world says about it, but the world cannot provide happiness for us. The one who can provide happiness and joy and fulfillment and peace is God. And that's why we need to say, God, I'm going to study your statutes. I'm going to study your precepts, but teach them to me through your Holy Spirit. Remember, we looked at that verse last week from Psalm 139. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my ways and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. We need God to demonstrate for that, that for us so we can have happiness. And aren't you glad he gave you a Bible that you can have confidence in? 
See, so that now I know that when I behave in a certain way, that that is right, regardless of what the world thinks about it, that's right. I can have confidence that if the world is against me, that this is right, and ultimately, in eternity, justice will happen. Amen? Amen. That was kind of a weak amen. I don't have confidence. See, I need you. I like the statements of the, of the text. Look at what it says in verse 6. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. So the blessing of a holy walk, the confidence of a holy book. But I love this, the praise of a holy heart. Look at verse 7. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Folks, I don't know about you guys. But there are times, because I know my own heart, that it's hard to pray. Have you all been there with me? You know what I'm talking about? Because I know that maybe my thought life isn't where it needs to be, or I'm just not praying enough, that then it's hard to go and talk to God. Have you ever had a friend that you haven't talked to in a long time, and you want to call him, but because you haven't talked to him in a long time, you're embarrassed to call him? How many of you experienced that? You know what I'm talking about? You know that you should have reached out before. It may be a family member. And so what happens is because of your shame, you still don't do what you ought to do in talking to them. It's the same way in our prayer life. We, we don't pray and we don't pray and we don't pray. And so then we think that we're so far from God that we can't serve him. Sometimes we can get to the place where we don't even think we're saved. Why? Because of the shame that comes from not doing right. What's the best remedy for that shame? Do right. Begin doing right. I've mentioned this to you before, but while we were in Stillwater, Laura's hometown, when I was on staff there at Bible Baptist, um, Dave McCracken preached a series on 1 John called The Birthmarks of a Christian. The Birthmarks of a Christian. And what 1 John teaches is that there are people who believe that they are going to lose their salvation or they're not saved because they're not living for God. It's interesting when you're, no one who is living for God doubts their salvation. Isn't that interesting? You don't doubt your salvation when you're right with God. You begin doubting your salvation when you're not right with God. Now, if you're not saved, get saved. I'm not trying to talk you into your own salvation. The, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Make sure you're born again, that you've placed your faith and trust in Christ alone. But if you have done that, here's the best way to have confidence in your faith. Do right. Do right. Look at what it says. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I know that my joy is more complete when I spend time in God's word and when I'm praying. When I'm right with God, I am more, I am more able to praise God. When I'm not right with God, it's very difficult to praise God because you don't even want to talk to him. You're like the puppy that's done wrong. Won't, won't look you in the eye. That's exactly the way we are. But the praise of a holy heart. Look at what it says in verse 7 again. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. Verse 8. I will keep thy statutes. O forsake me not utterly. Listen to what Spurgeon wrote on this text. I will, pr I will praise should be coupled with I will keep. I will praise shall be coupled with I will keep. What are we saying? It, you can't praise God right if you're not keeping his words. You can't honor him and disobey him. Forgiveness and holiness produce open-faced joy. 
this is, I'm paraphrasing what Spurgeon said here. This firm resolve is not boastful. It is followed by humble, by the humble prayer. Oh, forsake me not utterly. What is that saying? When I come to God and I'm praising him, I need to say, Lord, I can't praise you. I can't keep your righteous judgments without your help. I just can't do it. So the first is the blessing of a holy walk, the confidence of a holy book, the praise of a holy heart. But I want you to see the help. Now, how many of you know that you're supposed to live right and you're supposed to praise God and be holy? How many of you already knew that? So you could have skipped this sermon, right? I, I want to give you the words that God gives us, individual words to help us to do this. All right? So the, the help of God's holy words. The first word is the word way. The word way that we see in these eight verses. So the, the Bible talks about in verse 1, the undefiled in the way. Do you see that? The undefiled in the way. Verse 3, they also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Um, the, the other is, oh, in verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statute. So look at this process. So I'm undefiled in the way. That is, I don't let the world influence me. I'm undefiled in the way. But not only that, I don't walk my way. I, in verse 3, I walk in his ways, but I understand that I need God's help. So verse 5, oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. So I need to understand, I, I don't want to be influenced by the world in my walk. And so what I need to do is I need to learn to walk in the paths that God wants me to walk in. And because once I get in those paths, I have still been influenced by the world, even though I didn't want to, I ask him to direct me. So when we understand that there's a difference between my ways and his ways, that's why I need directions. That's why I need directions. When I was, when we were doing all the, the, the construction here, we're doing the remodeling on the old uh, building and what's fun, we had our fellowship meeting a couple of weeks ago, and I had preachers ask me, so is all of this new? Isn't that a good, that's a compliment, isn't it? That the old looks like the new. Well, where's Kevin at? Kevin, wave at me. Where are you at? You moved to the, you moved. You're not allowed to move. I can't have church when people move. So, so Kevin is an actual contractor. He, and he, me, I just do stuff. He knows how to do the stuff. So there's my ways, and there are Kevin's ways. And Kevin's ways are way better than my ways. So it was really fun. One of the things that I enjoyed doing was I would say, how do you do this? Show me how you do this. Uh, when we installed the cabinets up in the, the fellowship hall. The way that he did that. The way that he hung the, the end caps. The way that he did the drawers and the doors and to make sure everything fit. I really enjoyed learning that. It was fun. His ways are better than my ways. Show me how you did that. How many of you think that God's ways are better than your ways? Let's ask God to show us his ways. And that will correct our ways. So the first word is the, is the way, the help of God's holy words. Undefiled in the way. Walk in his ways. Oh, that my ways were directed. The second word is keep. Keep. And look at what it says in verse 2. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies. Verse 5. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep Thy statutes. You notice the, pray, the, the repetition of these? Verse 8, the commitment. I will keep thy statutes. I will keep thy statutes. So directed to keep. I will keep thy precepts. I'll keep. 
you can't keep something that you don't have. How many of you believe that you have God's words? Keep them. Memorize God's word. Meditate on it. It's fun. I have most of these first eight verses memorized. Not because I tried to memorize them. I just kept reading them over and over again, thinking about them. And now, pretty much, I have them memorized. We all need to be doing that. Now, again, I didn't memorize them on purpose. I just spent time in them, meditating on them. And you know what's going to happen? Now I can keep them. Focus your Bible study. Begin thinking. Keep. Keep. So, help of God's holy words. Way. Keep. And then the third word that is used over and over again in this text is walk. Walk. If I keep them, then I know how to walk. Uh, Look at verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Um, Look at what it says in verse... The second one is walk in his ways. Walk in his ways. That is in verse 3. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. See, there's a difference between having something, learning it, keeping it, and then living it out in the world. Isn't that a good way to look at this text? These words that God repeats, his way, keep, walk. So the first thing I wanted you to see was the blessing of a holy walk, the confidence of a holy book, the praise of a holy heart, the help of God's holy words. But then look at this, the change to a holy life, the change to a holy life. Notice the difference just in this verse, in this, in this section of eight verses, the progression. Verse one, blessed are the undefiled in the way. He's talking about somebody else. Do you see that? Blessed are the undefiled in the way. Verse two, blessed are they that keep his commandments. Verse three, they also do no iniquity. Thou hast commanded now, notice, they, now us. So them, now my group, look at verse five. Oh, that my ways were directed. Then shall I not be ashamed. Verse 7, I will praise thee. Verse 8, I will keep the change of a holy life. In this section, there's a change from statements about others to statements about me. I will praise thee. I will keep thy statutes. But then look at this. There's a, it seems like there's a boastfulness. I will keep. I will do. Well, you have to resolve, right? But notice what it ends with. How many of you that that last section of verse 8, it kind of bugs you. Oh, forsake me not utterly. I will do this. Oh, forsake me not utterly. What is that? That is recognizing your own sinfulness. Me recognizing my sinfulness. As many times as I have committed to follow Christ, as many times as I have, just as many times I have failed, just as many times my flesh has crawled back onto the throne of my life. And I have to mortify that flesh. I have to put to death that flesh and elevate Jesus Christ back to the throne of my life. You see, Spurgeon said it this way. He said, there should be... Oh, did I write it down? I didn't write it down. He said that there is this combination that comes together. Resolution and dependence. Resolution and dependence. 
I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler. That this is what I need to set my sight on, right? I can make that resolution. Many of you will say in this church service, yes, I want to live for Christ. I need to live for Christ. But we need to understand how strong the flesh is and that we must have total dependence on God to see that accomplished in our life. How do we do that? By loving his word. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. What do you love? What do you delight in? You you all know I love golf. I delight in golf. And uh, Lord willing, I'm going to play golf this afternoon before the evening service because I already know how to do the training. So praise God. I'm going to enjoy doing that. Wouldn't it be awful if I loved golf more than I loved God? Which do you think will benefit me more? Loving God or loving golf? What, what about you? What is it that you love? It could be cooking. It could be your children. What, what is it that you love? It's fine to love those things, but in comparison to your love for God, what are they supposed to be? What's the Bible word? What did Jesus say? Hate. That doesn't mean that you have to hate your kids. What? Some of you, I understand, you feel that way sometimes. That that doesn't mean that you have to hate your kids. What it means in comparison to your love for God, your love for your children would look like hate. The only way that can be accomplished, the only way that you can elevate your love for God that much is with the help of God. That's the only way you can do it. And then what will happen is your love for your kids will actually grow. God's so good to us. God is so good to us. So, the change to a holy life. In this section, there's a change from statements about others to statements about me. I will praise thee. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. The goal of Bible study is personal relationship with God. Listen, personal relationship with God and personal holiness. Isn't it awful? Isn't it awful when a a preacher or teacher teaches things he has no intention of learning? I'm sorry, of living. Well, we as believers, we have got to be careful that our profession, that what we live in our holy life matches our profession. Will we fail? Every time. (laughs) I'm sorry, you've got your flesh, you're going to fail. But that's not hypocrisy. Amen? That's not hypocrisy. Forsake me not utterly. The goal of Bible study is personal relationship with God and personal holiness. There should be, oh, if you don't get anything else from this message... Get this. There should be a holy fear of self. There should be a holy fear of self. When you think that you have gotten to the place where you don't have to worry about sin anymore, oh my goodness. That's when the enemy's going to attack right there. There needs to be a, a holy fear, not of the world, not of what's going on out there, but a holy fear of me. There should be in us a fearful awareness of how much we need God. That's verse 8. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Holy fear of self and a holy trust and dependence on God. Amen? Isn't that a great passage of Scripture? So, what have we seen? 
the blessing of a holy walk in verses 1 through 3, the confidence of a holy book, verses 4 through 6, the praise of a holy heart, verses 7 and 8, the help of God's holy words, way, keep, walk, that repetition, God's volume control, and then the change to a holy life from blessed are the undefiled in the way, blessed are they to I will praise thee, I will keep thy statutes. Where are you in this? Are you in... Yeah, we need to pray for the world. The world's such a bad place. Or are we in the place where, God, I need you desperately? The only way I can be a help out there is when you change me in here. That's who we need to be. Amen? Isn't God's word wonderful? My hope is that we learn to love it so much more, that we keep it. And when we do that, that's going to change the way that we interact out in the world. Lord, thank you for your word. I love it. I love preaching it and teaching it. Lord, we are living in troublous times, and you have given us answers. We can't fix the culture, but we can love another person.